Welcome back to Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Darius Miles to my Quentin Richardson. It's Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, man? I have a probably a better acting career than Darius Miles, so that's good. <laughs> good. He was in what? The Faculty? The Faculty? was that? No, it wasn't The Faculty. It was called... It was the one about the test. The, the where they steal the SAT perfect score answers. there we go perfect score yeah. now we're talking he was also in Van Wilder for a brief moment too so <laughs> so yes I will stand by my comment of my okay. acting career was been better than Darius Sweet. Miles but I'm good man you almost had a better NBA career than that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> got him <laughs> sorry Darius I know I I read that piece on on the Players Tribune Darius I feel bad about making fun of you um Seemed like a good dude. Uh, was there anything more exciting? It really says a lot about us uh, at being 16, 17 years old than, than those two throwing down alley-oops and then doing the, the, the raise the antenna celebration. That was so, so cool to 16, 17 years old. Oh, yeah. Darius Miles is the guy that I, I wanted him to be really awesome because he would just seem like he was fun. And he, and then as an older adult, you're like, oh, there's a reason why he acted like that. And there's a reason why <laughs> yeah. it wasn't sex- successful. <laughs> so. For sure. For yeah. sure. When I was in college, um, in case the listener doesn't know or can't tell, I'm about five foot eight, maybe five foot nine on a good day. And, and uh, I weigh about a buck 60. Um, and I, uh, I'm very white. So, uh, you can imagine that I'm, I'm very infrequently in my life. Have I been on the oop end of the alley hoop? Um, I, I know that's shocking. Um, but I have been on the, 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 the alley side of, of the alley hoop a few times. When I was in college, I used to play ball with also just as shocking, probably <laughs> <laughs> when I was in college, uh, and was capable of playing pickup ball. 12 times a week, you know, um, I played with a guy, a few guys who are really good basketball players usually would be guys who were like red shirting, uh, for, for the college that I went to. And so they'd come and play in the rec and in, in the, uh, the, uh, the pick the rec center and whatnot at college at, at, at my university. And I get on teams with these guys and you're just like, it's, you think you know good basketball players and then you're like on the floor with somebody who's actually a good college athlete and just, just it's mind-bogglingly different. And then I've shared the floor a few times. I've been lucky enough to, to play with future NBA players and ex-NBA players a few times, and it's just it's mind-boggling, <laughs> the difference between like, oh, snap, I thought that dude was good, and then I played with this random, like Antonio Daniels or something, and it's like, oh, that's what an actual basketball player is. <laughs> um, but anyway, this story's gotten away from me, but I played a few times with this guy in college who I think then the next year was was actually like on the basketball, like playing on the basketball team. He was just redshirting, and, uh, and he could just jump out of the building and he could catch anything. And so I would occasionally get on a team with him and just come down the floor and kind of, you get, you know, you've played, you just get that look and oh, you're yeah. like, all right, here it goes. And it's just like, I'm going to launch this, this up towards the rim and see if he can catch it. And you connect on those every once in a while. And I'm not kidding. It really, again, it says a lot about my very limited basketball career. Um, but the times that I, that I, that I could hook up with that guy on the alley-oops and then, I very distinctly remember one time him putting up the antennas with me, and I was like, "Holy cow! This is the peak of my basketball <laughs> life." This is see, the and you're ever. you're kind of a combo guard, maybe like a 
two, three, <laughs> if you were taller, you know, <laughs> sure, the way you sure. play. See, and I'm a point guard, like, strictly. Right. And so uh-huh. we had a guy in high school that I played with that could jump out of the gym, and he uh-huh. did that stuff all the time. And so, like, you know, I remember the first time I was doing that as a, you know, 14, 15-year-old, and I was like, I, 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 like, this is the height of luxury, you know, that kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. it just, yes. that was, yes. so I, I totally understand yeah. and, and agree with you. So, yes, for sure. The big one for me was, this is the last thing I'll say, there was a guy named Matt Hall who, again, I went to a small college, it was division two and uh sorry i've got a fan that's running all of a sudden for a second um but i went to a small college but we had a really good basketball team uh for division two and i played with the guy who um when he was i can't remember if he was a freshman who was redshirting or maybe he transferred in as a sophomore or something like that doesn't matter he was he was not playing um and then his junior and senior year he was i believe both seasons he was conference player of the year so he was a very very good basketball player is my point not just a a guy who was on the team, you know? Um, but I got hooked up with him a bunch in, in pickup games to the point that he would, I would play a little bit more just traditional point guard when I was in those games, because you're playing with like really, really talented, good basketball players. And he would seek me out like, Hey, I want that guy on my team. And it was because of that. It was because of that connection right there. (laughs) And I just, I, I did, you know, the first time I played with him, and just launch an alley-oop up to him and just watch him rain it down on people. And it was just like, I can do literally anything on the court right now because this guy is on my team. We cannot lose a game because of this. And it was, some of those, those were just great basketball experiences. The, the idea that you you can just chuck, chuck, because for somebody, people like us that just, I have never been able to really jump, not really jump, just people that you can like, I can just throw this up into the upper atmosphere and he will still be able to bring it down and, and make it something out of it. It's just, it's such a cool experience oh, yeah. when you get totally. on the floor with somebody like that. Uh, we're not here to talk about our pickup basketball days, although we're happy to do that at some point. If we, we could be the Simmons and Rosillo of, Ugh, of, no uh, <laughs> um, <I quit. laughs> It's fine. Do you want to be Simmons or Rasloff? No. Um, so here's the thing. So yesterday we put out our first episode of the week. We get, you're getting a double dose of Spread the Floor this week because the NBA is back. Um, I believe this episode will drop on Thursday. So it's the first day of the restart, unless we've jinxed it somehow. <laughs> and then, um, I don't know. Uh, we'll just crawl into our holes and, and just never, never come out again. Uh, but basketball is back. On our first episode this week, we talked about the top six seeds in the Western Conference and the bottom five seeds in the Eastern Conference. Today, we're going to reverse that. We are going to talk about uh, the seven through the 13 in the West and the top four in the East. We're just going to take turns alternating here. We're going to give you kind of a reminder of where all of these teams were because in case you have missed the last four months, uh, we have been in the midst of a pandemic and we haven't played basketball in, in that time. So we're giving you a reminder of where each team is, um, and then we have one question for each of these teams. So, Tobin, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you get started. Well, we started with kind of the bummer side of things last time. So I'm going to start with a little bit more up team. Uh, I'm going to start with Toronto today. Um, mm. Toronto is 46-18. and 18. They are the second seed. They are three up of the, thir- of the third seed and six and a half back of the Bucks. They are 12th in offense, second in defense, and 14th in pace. My question to you is, Brian, what are the odds of upsetting Milwaukee this year? I think they have decent they have a decent chance of it. Um I, I mean, we've talked a lot about Toronto 
because I feel like they have overachieved through the course of this season, and yet I'm terrified of them. Uh, if I'm if I'm an opposing team, I do not want to play them. They have they have a guy who's going to win Coach of the Year, um, and and deservedly so. Nick Nurse has been just absolutely fantastic, and then they have a team that it feels like they. It's kind of amazing how little they have missed from losing Kawhi Leonard and, and Danny Green mm-hmm. uh, to to lose one of the five best players in the league and then just to kind of, and also to, to, to miss the number of games that they have missed with, with their, you know, their full rotation. They've just had tons of injuries through the season and then still they're the second seed and they look really, really good. Um, I do wonder a little bit about whether they are capable of, um, of really scoring in, in the postseason when teams are re- when, when you're playing against good teams every night and, and teams are really geared up for you. I, I do think they maybe are missing something a little bit there and they are for sure going to miss. I mean, we both really like Siakam a lot. Siakam absolutely is not capable at this point of doing what Kawhi did last year of like, okay, we need a bucket. I'm going to get us a bucket no matter what. It's just going to be me going ISO and we'll, we'll get a bucket out of it. And so, that's something that's that's for sure a difference between them. But for all the talk about how Philly was kind of trying to build a team that could beat Milwaukee, I actually think it's Toronto that has the better team from a matchup standpoint um, that can give Milwaukee problems. And we saw it last year, but it's it's like I said, it almost doesn't feel like last year should count in some ways because last year included Kawhi and Danny Green. But, but with Siakam and Gasol and Lowry and Fred Van Vliet and – all of these bench dudes that they have to just kind of throw different things at different looks at Giannis, I, I like what they can bring to the table if they are able to score enough to, to put Milwaukee away. Yeah, and I think we've just proven, and we said this you know, throughout the year, I feel like every time we've talked about Toronto this year, we're like, well, I don't know if it's going to keep going or not, and then it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just sure. think that I, at least before this all went down, I feel like we are seeing a – a more focused Giannis than we've seen, even though the team doesn't doesn't fit is isn't as strong as it was last year. Maybe it uh, maybe even stronger in some ways, but you know it's just mm-hmm. I, I think that you can't come to the Milwaukee and and not have if you're Toronto or any team and not be fully on. So it's really just going to depend on if all the things mm-hmm. are clicking for them or not. And that was just obvious, you for know. Sure. But I think it's possible. I don't think it's very likely. I guess is the better way to put it. Sure, sure. Okay, um, we'll move right along here. I'm going to go to the West. I've, I've got a bunch of these teams. There's there's a glut of teams between eight and thirteen. I'm just going to sort of I'm going to start knocking those out with my mine here. Let's start at the bottom though. No, let's let's. I'm not going to go to the bottom. I'll go San Antonio. San Antonio is 27 and 36. They're the 12 seed. They're four back of the eight seed. They're 11th in offense, 24th in defense, 15th in pace. I don't think either of us have a whole lot of confidence that, that San Antonio is good, which is weird to say that you don't have confidence in San Antonio for the, you know, considering for the last literal 25 years, we've been saying never underestimate San Antonio. Um, yeah, I'm never going to say it out loud. So I know you're saying it out loud. I'm not. So, but for the record, I'm going to say it out loud and kind of hope that I will it into to existence because I've loved nothing more than a, than a Papa Sans at this point. Sure. Which is again a weird thing. Like I, 2010, me would never believe that in 2020, I'm, I'd be all in on on the Spurs sort of making a comeback. Um, so, but I don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to make a run and make the playoffs. Um, but for me, the big question is, and I'll turn to you, 
How many games do you think Becky Hammond coaches during these eight seeding games? Gosh, I I think there's a good chance that she coaches all of them or splits them with Duncan. Like I could totally see Pop just saying, "I'm going to sit on this bench and I'm going to let uh, mm-hmm. Tim, Timmy, and Becky do their thing." Because I think Pop is also the kind of guy that he he sees that you know the writing is on the wall in this situation that he doesn't he's not they, they don't have a lot of hope. So let's let's try to either help Timmy and help Becky get jobs or let's see what we mm-hmm. have uh, in their, you know, coaching prospects as an assistant, you know, cause I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's pretty safe to say that in the next year or two, or if not this off season, really uh, at least Becky Hammond should be considered in some of these jobs in, in Tim Duncan's probably not far behind her as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. hopefully I'm hoping for a lot, but who knows? I mean, you can never guess what pop's going to do. So <laughs> I think I've said this on the show before. My opinion is that, or my belief, I guess, is that Becky Hammond's getting a coaching job this offseason. Um, Thankfully, maybe it wasn't that changes the Knicks. a little bit. Be- oh, Lord, thank goodness it's not Sorry. the Knicks. Um, it might be different just because this is going to be the weirdest offseason of our of our lives, and mm-hmm. so maybe some teams that in a normal year might fire their coach will will instead say we have such a, a weird short turnaround on this that we're going to we're going to keep it going um so maybe maybe not maybe it's next off season that that it happens for her but i think she is for sure uh on the short list for a lot of teams and i think pop sees duncan as the one who is going to replace him mm-hmm. that's been my that's been my take because i th- i think he'd love for it to be to be becky hammond but i don't think he's going to be ready to walk away next season or maybe the season after and so he's kind of prepping tim duncan to be the person that replaces him while also prepping trying to help Becky Hammond be ready to be, you know, a head coach next year. Mm-hmm. So we saw it first, first scrimmage. He, he sat on the bench and, and let Becky coach. And, um, I, I don't know that it's going to be all of the games, but especially once this gets to a place where, I mean, we don't think that the Spurs are going to make much of a run. So if they're, I mean, they only have to lose what, two games, three games, I guess, to be, to be out of it. So, if and when that happens, I kind of expect he he hands the keys over and uh, and lets them coach, lets her coach uh, one or two of them or, or more. Um, and I'm excited to see it. I I, I really think that could be something inter- that should, that could give us something interesting to watch for um, down at the bottom of this race that really doesn't feel like a race as much as a okay, you get to come too. And it's not hurting thing, anything so. either to do that. So mm-hmm. yeah, sure. For sure. So staying in the cellar of the Western Conference in a team with a lot less promise, in my opinion, is the Phoenix Suns. They are 26 and 39. They are the 13th seed in the West. They are six back of the eighth seed. They are 16th in offense, 19th in defense, and ninth in pace. My question to you is how does DeAndre Ayton look? I haven't seen him yet. I, I This is one team I have not seen on a scrimmage yet. Big deal for them. Um, they got to see. I Aiden has been one of the big talks of NBA Twitter over the last few weeks. It's. I think his analytic analytics look better this year than maybe his his eye test did at times. And then people went back and watched watched tape and were like, "Man, he actually looks really good." Um, I've just seen. I've seen so many pieces written about DeAndre Ayton over over the last few months. And at first I kind of chalked it up to like, okay, you guys are bored because <laughs> we just don't have anything else to do. So we got to find somebody. 
and it, but I, I did read some of it and looked into some of it, and I, I think there's something to it. Now I, I'm not I'm not as high I've never been as high on him as as some other some other people are, but um, but you can see maybe where this could come together. Now to me, I've, I've we both have always said I, I think a big part of it with Aiton is uh, the mental side of things. If he's going to be checked in or not, um, and if he's going to be mature and responsible and uh, that that remains to be seen if that's you know if we if that's capable of, be, uh, of happening. But he hit a couple of threes in the first scrimmage. I think he hit another one in the second scrimmage. He's he's if he can step out and start shooting threes, that's a big deal mm-hmm. for that team. Um, and he also looked pretty good analytically on on defense this year, at least from on some standpoint. I I I, I still don't really see him as somebody who is actively going to be protecting the rim and patrolling the paint um, the way he, he maybe needs to to be worth that number one pick. But if he comes out in these eight games, and I, I mean, I, I don't think they have any chance of, of making the, the playoffs, but if he comes out in these eight games and he gets hot and he looks good, then I, I, I just think that's imp- – I, I think that does a lot for Phoenix moving forward. If they can take that and they can take Booker and they can – Take some of these young, the young core that they have there, and and have some. They are a team that I guess what I'm saying is they are a team, and it really to me really starts with Aiton, um, because I know what Booker's going to give me. But they're a team that really could use these eight games as something of a launching point for next season, and and that's a lot of that hinges on Aiton to me. Yeah, and they they came out hot this year too, and they came out looking pretty decent you know of course all of us were very skeptical and wondered you know when the when the bottom was going to fall out but i mean they for years have had you know some talent and stuff and it's just it's just again it goes back to you know we have to get the right pieces in the coaching and in the front office to make these things fit together and so i agree with you this is a great time to try to make you know some things work and get some things ironed out Mm -hmm. yep Yep, I agree. Um, let's stay west for now. I'm going to go to Sacramento here. 28, 36, 11 back, three, or excuse me, 11 seed, three and a half back. They're the 19th rated offense, 18th rated defense, 23 in pace, which might explain why they were 28 and 36. <laughs> 19, 18, 23. That's about exactly what you would expect for a Kings team that just had one of the dumber seasons that, that I can remember. My question here is, can Luke Walton finally figure out a rotation? Because he doesn't have Bagley to work with. And that on paper should be a bad thing, and for the long-term development of this team is a bad thing because they need to get Bagley in the in the game. But they have such a bad glut of of players uh, that all probably need to be a power forward, and they're all trying to be on the floor at the same time. So removing Bagley from the situation, and then can we try to figure out how Heald and Bogdanovich work together if they work together at all? So. You have any confidence that Luke Walton now having had four months to think about it can figure out how to be a coach in the NBA? I'm not like whenever you propose the question, can he finally figure out rotation? My question is, can he finally figure out how to coach this team? And I'm not really sure that the answer is yes. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, at all. Like it's not even just a rotation. Like it just feels like they, they have talent and they have a lot of promise and Whenever he went there, I I guess I was cautiously, cautiously optimistic because he had a decent, you know, a decent turnout in L.A. with a really horrible situation, and he was great in Golden State. But it turns out, you know, when you have 
superstars on your team, it's a lot easier to be a good coach. But I just don't I don't think that with the talent they have, you know, scoring wise, that he has done a very good job of utilizing that. And I think even more now, you know, with, with the people being out in the situations, I, I just don't think it's going to work. And you're probably right in the, like with the job stuff, like, he, you know, I think in a normal year, he, there might be serious consideration to getting rid of him, but I think in this year it probably won't mm-hmm. happen. But, but yeah, I just, I think that the, the shine of Luke Walton has kind of worn, worn pretty, pretty, you know, down. So mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. I just like at this point, Put freaking Harrison Barnes, put him at the four. He's a four. Stop trying to play him at the three. Yeah, it's asinine that they gave him the, and I love Harrison Barnes, but the, the contract they gave him to then to try and force him to be a three after watching the last four seasons of basketball is just stupid. Mm-hmm. Put him at the four. And you know what? Play all three of those guys together. Play Fox, Heald, and Bogdanovich together. And at least get good at offense. Okay? Like you're not I understand you're not gonna win anything defensively with that lineup, but who cares? It doesn't Let's try to get good at one of these things, okay? Yeah. You can't be 19th in offense and 18th in defense and expect things to be any better. You got to get good at least one of them. So let's let's try it. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. At least be fun, you know? <laughs> like, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. Speaking of fun, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's go to Portland. Uh, a team that I think is incredibly fun and it has been such a weird team, weird year for them. They are 29 and 37. They are ninth in the ninth in the West, three and a half back. They are 10th in offense, 27th in defense and 11th in pace. Can they make a run without any wings? Because they have basically zero at this point. (laughs) Um, yeah, so can they make a run? Because you can't count out Dame and CJ, but mm-hmm. they have no wings. So, Brian, can they make a run without them? I think they can make a run at the eight. I don't have any – I mean, no one is actually challenging the Lakers as the eight seed. I, I think we we can both agree on that. Um, Portland has been there before, so maybe they have a better chance of it than Memphis or, or New Orleans or something. But I <sighs> – I have gone back and forth on Portland so much over the last few weeks of whether or not I think they're the favorite to get the eight seed or they're completely going to drop out of this because I just, I look at that rotation. It's like, man, they got Nurk back. They got Zach Collins back. Um, he's going to be awesome for the seven minutes before he fouls out. And <laughs> that will be just, that'll be really great. But you look at their wing rotation and it, Oh my goodness. I mean, they don't. They don't have any. They don't have any wings to go up against, and that's against against LeBron to go up against. Uh, you know all of the wings in the West that are so, the you know the wing is about the most important position in basketball, at least in terms of from a depth standpoint. And I mean, it's it is just borderline non-existent on that team because of because Ariza is out because uh, Rodney Hood is still injured. Um, because of the other things that have taken place on that team. I mean, seriously, Carmelo, I guess, lines up as the small forward to start when we both agree he really is better as a as a power mm-hmm. forward at this Especially point. Especially at this point in his career, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Nasir Little's going to have to play. Nasir Little might be their starting power forward, or small forward. I, I mean... It's just they're in a weird spot, and so maybe they need to do. Maybe they need to go all smalls and bigs and play Simons, Lillard, McCollum together with Nurk and 
and Collins or something. I don't know. Gary Trent's going to get a lot of run as as a at an undersized wing and stuff. I just they're in a bad place from from a positional standpoint. And we can talk all we want about how positions don't matter in the NBA anymore, but you do need size on the wing, and they just they don't have any of it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Far be it for me to to underestimate Dame Lillard because we've we've seen him carry teams in the past, but. I think three and a half games and and with New Orleans potentially kind of nipping at their heels, I I, I question whether or not that, that's gonna be a doable thing. If they get into the play on play in, give me the, the, the Blazers over over the Pelicans or or the Grizzlies if 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 they get into the play in situation. But to actually get to that play in, I don't know. It's it I, I'm a little nervous from for Portland. But what about you? I mean, I, I think that you can't ever count out what they can do, like especially if Damian just goes crazy. I'm in a real like crossroads here because I would love to see Memphis in the eight seed because I'm a huge Memphis fan, but I also would mm-hmm. love to see Damian Lillard just go bonkers for these eight games and then and in a first round playoff series. Because I, like I think the the cool thing about the way this is set up is that no matter who ends up playing the Lakers in the first round, it's going to be a real fun matchup, and they may get swept. Whoever they probably will get swept, whoever it is, but it's, it's at least it's going to be fun because I think that's going to be mm-hmm. a good matchup and also just a fun fast paced basketball. But I just don't see any world of, especially considering that there was a lot of talk of is Dame even going to play, is CJ even going to play. And I think that if they get punched in the mouth early or they just don't, things don't line up for them early, uh, you can mm-hmm. see them just kind of, you know, back out at that point. So mm-hmm. I think that's the sure. more likely scenario is they come out and don't start off too hot and then they just kind of say, well, we're done. Because remember, don't mm-hmm. forget, they are the one, you know, organization that was opposed to this setup as well. And so, mm-hmm. like, they're, you know, and, and they applauded their owner for voting out, you know, in support of them, too. So if this doesn't go well for them, you know, start quick off the bat, then they can just use that as a, well, we were, you know, we were, were given a hand that we could deal with, so we're just going to stop and not worry about it, basically. Mm-hmm. Sure. 538 has the Blazers as an 11% chance to make the playoffs for what it's worth. Yeah, I could see that. Um, that's that that's probably about where I would put it as well. Sure. Minus 1% for the Spurs and the Suns. Uh FYI. Um which I think stop we, stop we, jinxing we the Spurs, man. Stop reverse jinxing them. <laughs> you don't say things. I want to see it. Yeah, I, you're right. I do bring too, on, but I just bring uh, on my whole Spurs. life I've I've learned to not speak out against the Spurs. Yeah, so. <laughs> for sure. For sure. No, it's it's for sure. We have learned behavior that we're trying to overcome. But I would I would actually love I I would I really would enjoy seeing the Spurs uh 18 foot jumper their way to the playoffs somehow. <laughs> it would be really funny to me. Um another team that's I'm just going to stick with the with the uh with the the West here this this little race. Um let's 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 keep it going here with New Orleans. New Orleans is 28 and 36. They're the 10th seed. They're three and a half back as well. Um, by the way, Portland has a slight advantage because of the percentage, because they played an extra game, right? Or they played one less game. I can't even remember now. Um, they have a slight percentage odds against uh, New Orleans if it ends up being a tie. Same with Memphis, I mm-hmm. guess, too, because of the the winning percentage thing. Um, because, of the, you know, not all games are even because of uh, how everything stopped. Um, New Orleans is uh, was 15th in offense, 20th in defense, second in pace. Um, and according to 538, they have a 45% chance of making the playoffs. Um, really? The highest wow. of, of any of these teams. Okay. 
So the question, number one, obviously, is can Zion stay healthy? And if so, are they the favorites for the eighth seed? I think I just answered that from a 538 perspective, but you are a human being, not a computer. So uh, <laughs> for you, are they the favorites to make to get the eighth seed now? I think that there's, I understand. The, I'm so glad that you have to answer this one too. Yeah, it makes me happy. I understand the reasoning why they are the favorites because it, by all accounts, they were on pace to catch Memphis and... And honestly, there was even talk of them, you know, maybe giving a run for, you know, for the seventh seed as well, uh, with the way they were playing. Um, I don't, I don't think, are we at the point now where we can, where we can say Zion, you can never count Zion to stay healthy? I mean, I, I, I don't think we're quite there yet, but. I mean, he played 19 straight games pretty he much. Did. And he, he set out like one game or something in that stretch. So, I mean. I, the, the report, the know, report of his tough. leg cramping and stuff just makes me nervous. If he does stay sure. healthy, I do think they are a favorite to get the eight seed just because, you know, it's, it's not just because Zion is Zion. I mean, that definitely plays into it, but they have more veteran presence on this team than mm-hmm. the Grizzlies do. And so people like JJ Redick and Drew holiday and, um, saw Sol- Solomon Hill still on that team. Yeah. I mean, just there's yeah. veterans on that team that I think will definitely have some, uh, some ups, ups, you know, update on that. But I don't mm-hmm. think that Zion, like I, I'm worried about Zion in these eight games, like, you know, on top of the fact okay. that he's been gone too. So I, I, I guess that's a very murky. Yes. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> so who knows, man, they're a different team when Zion's on the floor, uh, obviously. And, I'm just curious to see how that how that plays out in the bubble and having had this just there that's such a stop and start season um, for him and for for the team as a whole and so what can they do with this team now I'm, I mean on paper they're way more talented I think than than Memphis or uh, Portland or any of these other teams mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of does it all gel together and also there is a question that I think is worth asking that will not be answered over the next eight games and plus whatever playoffs but has to be answered next year is uh I don't think Brandon Ingram was as good with Zion on the floor as he was without Zion and so how those two mix together because they're very I mean if that team's going to be successful long term you're about to give Brandon Ingram a max contract I would assume and you got to figure out if those two can work together yeah. well or if they're and i they should be able to because in on paper their games kind of do complement each other it's just a matter of can you figure out how to maximize how those things work well uh, and let's not forget that they're kind of like one of the few teams that's in a nightmare scenario of all eight of these games are extremely important for them what's so that they have to weigh the 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 severity, not the severity, they have to weigh the risk of is it worth playing Zion in all of these games or not? Because they're going to be mm-hmm. every other day, and it's it, by all accounts, if he if he is hurting, it could be dangerous. And so, it, it, like we talked about last week, are we are we ready to risk the risk him possibly missing mm-hmm. all you know half, if not most, of next year for these eight games that may not actually matter in this, in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things. So, sure. so that's, that's a big, you know, again, we've talked about the agnosium last week. So staying with mm-hmm. this kind of trio triumvirate of eight people fighting for the eight seed, let's go to Memphis next. They are 32 and 33. They are the current eight seed. They are seven back of Dallas. They are three and a half up of the nine seeds. So they are basically fighting for the eight, no matter what. Um, sure. They're 20th in offense, 15th in defense, 7th in pace, 
can they hold on to their playoff spot, which is kind of the question that we've been dancing around the last yeah, two teams. For sure. I don't think so. I, I think I think either – I'm not super confident in saying it's going to be Portland or it's going to be New Orleans, but I just think that between the two of them, I think one of those two teams will will take the spot from, from Memphis. And that's partly based on – I think Memphis was overachieving and they are definitely a try hard team. Um, I mean, they're maybe even less than a try hard team. They're a, a, a give no craps team. And that is a, that is a tough team to play in, in January or February, especially when they're young and athletic the way that they are. Um, but they were, I think they'd over overachieved a little bit and they, they were fading when, uh, when, when the shutdown began. Um, I don't remember the odds at this point, but I think the odds were decisively against them of 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 holding on to that that playoff spot when the, when the lockdown began. And so um, they do have a very they, they in my opinion they have one of the harder roads to get back as well because they they start yeah. against the Trailblazers and the third game is against the Pelicans. So that right there is going to give you a, mm-hmm. a, a direct chance to lose that spot. But then there are other games mm-hmm. they they're playing all but one of them are against a current playoff team, which so they have the Jazz, right. Thunder, right. Celtics, Raptors, and Bucks with the Spurs, the one lone team that's not in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's right. that's a rough schedule too. Sure. It could work in your favor that it is, I think that schedule, if I remember correctly, it's backloaded. So you're catching Toronto, Milwaukee, and wow, I can't, I'm sorry, it's, I can't remember. Yeah, what the, the last team. three are Toronto, Boston, and Milwaukee. Okay. So they might know by it's then. Ve- yeah. yeah, exactly. It's very possible that you could catch those three teams when they literally have nothing to play for anymore and they know where they're at and they maybe they just don't care in those mm-hmm. games. Um, but I mean, it's not a, I mean, I, I just think Memphis it would not be the worst thing in the world for them to drop out of the playoffs. Um, there it's, it's a little bit different, I think, than for some of these other mm-hmm. teams. It's a big deal if Portland misses the playoffs, even given where they have been through the course of the yes. season, they are expected to be in the playoffs. Memphis wasn't. And so if they drop out of it and they get a lottery pick instead, then so be it. It's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have stuff to build on with Ja and and JJJ and and Brandon Clark and whatnot. And so I just think they that's a team that doesn't have the shooting to win in the playoffs anyway. Um, and they're just they're just so young that that it's it's not a it's not a failure at all for them to fall out to the nine or the sure. seed or whatever. But I I don't think if if let me put it this if New Orleans or Portland, if one of those teams, or honestly, or Sacramento, because I think Sacramento is not good enough to make the playoffs, but is good enough to go like four and four or five and three and just cause some problems mm-hmm. for, for teams. Um, if it wasn't such a glut there, I'd feel better. If they were just trying to fend off one team, I'd feel better about it. But when it's two and sure. two and a half, it, I think it makes it a much more difficult totally. proposition. So let's go over to Boston. Uh, 43 and 21, they are the three seed three back of the two, two and a half up on the four. So fairly locked in at that three seed. I mean, I guess it's possible they could go up or down, but it would be pretty difficult to make that happen. They're, they're fairly locked in at that three spot. Fifth rated offense, fourth rated defense, 17th in pace. Tobin, we saw Jason Tatum break out and become definitively, I think, without a, really any question at all. He's the best player on that team now. Uh, and Jalen Brown had a great, great back half of, of the season before the shutdown as well. The problem for them, I think, is is their depth and their size. Can they overcome that to make those two things to make a run in the playoffs? For a team that I think we we both agree, this is a very, very good team. And you can make a case that they are the 
I don't know, fourth best team in the, in the league if you really want to. But do, does does depth, does size, does matchups with some of these teams in the in the East, is that ultimately, are they able to overcome those things, you think? I think they're definitely able to overcome them. I do think it's going to be a bigger problem for them than maybe some people are willing to admit. Uh, we talked about in the last episode about how, like, as of right now, the Sixers are set up to play them in the first round of the playoffs, and that could be a dead blow, like a deathly blow to the to the uh, Celtics because that's a pretty horrible matchup for them, considering they do lack a lot of size and depth right now. Um, but on the on the flip side is is they have a player who is transcending above a lot of talent. They have uh, a lot of great players in Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, uh, Gordon Hayward, and then Kemba has been great for them this year. And they have uh, Carson Edwards who can do some things off the bench. I mean, they have a team that if they ended up beating Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, like or in the semifinals, I don't think it would be like that much of a shock. I mean, they could very easily go from a situation of being, you know, one and done in the playoffs to being in the finals playing one of the L.A. teams. Like, I, I, I don't I would not be surprised if any of those things happened. Um, but it just seems like they're very guard heavy. And, I, and sometimes that works really well. But if the shooting goes cold, it's going to be real interesting to see how that plays out for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I just I wish they had as much as Al Horford is a hindrance for. Uh, at this point, for the Sixers, I I, I, w- I wish he was still on the Celtics. Gosh, how much I, I does just, he wish he's still on that team too? <laughs> oh my gosh, um, I just they they they're missing. To me, they're missing that spot. They're missing a big who who can actually do something because it's it's really just Daniel Tice, and then you're 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 hoping you can find twenty minutes where where Enos Cantor can be on the floor, you know. And it's really difficult to find those in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I feel bad for them in some ways because to me they very much are a team that is is may their their success or or failure this year may be dictated as much by matchup as anything else because I just think I think they're actually a pretty good matchup against the Raptors I might even favor them in a matchup against the Raptors I think they're a pretty decent matchup for the Heat for the Pacers all this and they may catch the Sixers in round one and that's a bummer for them and mm-hmm. and if they. And I don't know how they match up again. I don't think they can match up against Milwaukee. So, you know, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being the, the second best team. I just, yeah. I, I think they might be, they might be out in round one just because of, of, of the matchup. Or there's certainly, I, if they can't, I, I don't want to underestimate how good the Celtics are and overestimate how good the Sixers are. It's, it's just, that first round could be so difficult for them as compared to some of these other teams, mm-hmm. what they're going to catch in the first round. Um, and that's, on both conferences, but that's just, that's the way it works sometimes. But I really like watching that team play. Yeah. I just, I think they're, they're a fun team, a and it's, but it's like we said in the last episode is that if they, if they end up playing the Sixers, they're playing a six seed. That's not a true six seed. Mm-hmm. And so sure. that, Certainly that's a horrible, yeah. horrible luck of the draw for them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. okay. Speaking of teams that, uh, this could be me being a Homer, but are playing <laughs> probably better than their seed says, uh, the Dallas, our Dallas Mavericks are 40 and 27. They are currently the seven seed. They are one and a half back of the six seed, seven up of the eight seed. They are number one in offense, 17 in defense and 18 in pace. Okay. So with KP at the five, can they win a playoff series if they avoid the Clippers? That is my question of many questions to you. <laughs> Let's just do an hour on the, on the Mavs. Um, I think we both acknowledge sort of injury or these 
these uh, chemistry issues that we're mentioning really popping up and causing problems. They cannot beat the Clippers in a seven-game no. series. It's a terrible matchup. It's for a them. horrible matchup for them. They match up better again, and I don't. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not over or underrating the, the the Lakers. Just matchup standpoint, they they match up better. I would rather play the Lakers in round one than the Clippers. I think. Um, as a Mavs fan, which maybe is insane to say, and we would get, I mean, there's a really good chance we would get swept by either one of yes, them. But yes, for sure. you're right. For sure. the, the Lakers are a much better matchup for us. Um, so you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. I I will say, and again, I, I'm trying really hard to set aside bias and and homerism and whatnot. I think I would favor them in a matchup in a series against the Nuggets. I would definitely favor them in in a series against the Jazz at this point and I'm not sure on the Rockets. I just don't know what to do with the Rockets. Yeah. So uh, I, there's hey, just you know so much to me. Hey, doesn't know what to do with them? Mike D'Antoni. Sorry, that's, <laughs> hey, that's a pot shot. <laughs> um, <laughs> leave Mike out of this. He's a good guy. Um, I, I, I am. I, I'm interested to see what happens with this team. I, we are in an enviable position, I think, as Mavs fans, Tobin, in that if they... If they get swept in the first round, it's not a big deal. And if they make a run, then it's 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 sort of I won't say it's a win win. You never want to lose uh, in the playoffs, but we did not expect them to be as good as they have been this season, and that led to some frustrations at times because they are they should be they're the antithesis of of the Thunder in a lot of ways. In that the Thunder were so good at winning games uh, down the stretch that that maybe they shouldn't have have won. And the Mavs are so have been so good at losing games that they shouldn't have lost down yeah. the stretch. Um, and part of that is we watch every single Mavs game from a life or death situation differently than I do a Jazz game or mm-hmm. a Timberwolves game or whatever. But there is a very easy world in which you could say the Mavs should have been, I don't know, should have had forty five wins instead of instead of uh, forty, and that makes a huge still difference possible. So. Right, but I mean, they yeah. should be going. It could be oh, going gotcha, in gotcha. right now as as the three seed. Very well, easy. and that's the thing too is that you know, I, I I was about to say that too is that it, this really is a a situation where no matter what we is barring an injury or you know just complete embarrassment in some way, like we really can't come out of this situation without a hundred positives because. Mm-hmm. One, we were at one point we were the three seed in the West, and we had no business being up there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even as a seven seed, we still have the possibility to catch it. You know, even the three seed, but we, you know, mm-hmm. we can realistically mm-hmm. catch the four or five seed in these eight games, um, mm-hmm. which would be a win. The other thing that you know, take Mavs homerism bias out of it, is that this this whole season has been us trying to figure out. Not us. Them trying to get uh, comfortable <laughs> playing on the court together with uh, KP mm-hmm. and Luca and Curry, and as we've noticed and seen, we have not had our full, really our full unit healthy this whole time. Sure. And Luca and KP have now just had four months to rest their ankles and knees and whatever else is ailing them. The only thing we're missing right now is Dwight Powell, and which is a big, it's a big loss, but. And I guess Willie Cauley mm-hmm. Stein too. I mean, those are big losses. But Luca and KP have not been healthy on the floor together for more than a handful of games all season. Mm-hmm. And so that that to me is the biggest what if about all of this is what happens if we come out and KP and Luca just start dropping thirty plus together, right. you know, and then then we become a not normal seven seed in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, poss- and hopefully move up. But yeah, that's that's the cool thing about this, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we talked about in our 
uh, uh, summer recap from from uh, from free agency last year how great KP was playing down toward the last uh, month of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he looked incredible, and uh, and Luca Luca is just is still he's just unreal. Watching even these scrimmages where I can tell because I watch so many of these games, I can tell he's not trying. And he still is so much the best player on on the floor. Yes. Um, it's 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 remarkable to watch them play. Um, I you know they're short a guy. I easily maybe two. I setting aside, do you have a consistent third option? No, they absolutely do not. Um, so that's that will be a factor at some point. But you know, missing Powell, missing Brunson, missing Willie Cauley Stein. I mean, you're you're third big if you have to go to a third big which you may have to you have to consider even just because kp does frequently have little knee flare-ups and stuff your third big right now is boban who can't play against half the teams in the Mm -hmm. league and so it's something that that will cause a problem for them at some point i'm sure but um but i like that they're kind of being forced into having to play kp at the five and or five out offenses because i i i think analytically we know the 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 dwight powell hive is very strong and and there's a lot of good reasons for that but also uh not having powell in the lineup i think really was a big part of of kp unlocking and and having that great back month of the season so um we will uh we'll have to see but i i i think we agree it's the it, it really short of just getting the doors blown off of them in the first round. This feels like a season that, that we're going to have positive vibes for no matter what, because they're either going to make some noise in the playoffs or we're going to be able to hang our hats on. doesn't really matter. Weren't really expected to be there. We'll be there. Ne- we'll be better next season, that type of thing, which is a nice spot to be in. <laughs> totally. Um, we have two more teams. Let's go back East. I, we stuck these two teams together cause I'm very interested in how they, they match up against each other potentially in the second round. I'll go with Miami 41 and 24. They are the four seed. They're two and a half back. They're two up on the five. The four five doesn't matter at all. So really it's about, are they going to stay in that four five versus fall into the six or something like that? So it feels pretty with no road games, it doesn't matter whether you're the four or the five at all. Mm-hmm. So um, feels like they're pretty locked into that spot. Seventh offense, fourteenth defense, twenty seventh pace, which is exactly what I expect from from a Spol- from this Spolster team, especially. I feel like they are built to beat Milwaukee. They are the team that seems to give Milwaukee the hardest time. Um, can they get there though in that second round matchup? I, I do think that this team is probably the most dangerous team that's not a obvious, you know, front runner. Um, Because I don't think Mm -hmm. they're, I don't think people would consider them an obvious front runner, even though they're Miami and even though they're the four seed, I think that a lot of people would sleep on them because they're not fitting into the same category as Milwaukee and Boston and, you know, LA's and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree with you. I think that they are the team that is built to be honest, and this team is stupid talented. I mean, like even you know, uh, just their their younger players like Kendrick Nunn has had a fantastic year. Tyler Heroes had a good year. Uh, Duncan Robinson's had moments where he's you know showing out, and mm-hmm. I mean even you know seventy year old Udonis Haslam has had mom- moments this year where it's just like, you know, I just this whole team is seeing it's it's a very Spolstra team, which is mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. because Spolstra is a fantastic coach. Um, it's really just going to depend on, you know, what what happens uh, this year. Whenever 
Giannis and them in the coaching staff uh, come out and get punched in the mouth a little bit because last year mm-hmm. it seemed to, you know, kind of slow them down quite a bit whenever they got you know hit back. And so did they learn from it? I guess is the better better question. So sure. I you know I I would not be surprised at all if Miami did you know give them a run for their money, but. I don't know. Milwaukee's just been so good this year. Like it's just mm-hmm. really hard to to ignore that. So Miami's one of those teams, and again, I know I've harped on matchups a ton over these last two episodes. Uh, but like, I'm not. I would certainly wouldn't favor them over Milwaukee in a seven game series. But I, I look at the at the East, and I think that Miami by far is a team that is most likely to give Milwaukee trouble. But then I also. It wouldn't shock me if 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 the Pacers beat them in the first round, and mm-hmm. so it's it, matchups are just such a huge thing in 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 this this game right now, and so um, I'm very curious to see how they come out. They're they they at times can be a beautiful team to watch, and at times can be very frustrating. And it's um, you know it kind of ebbs and flows with a little bit with Jimmy Butler. I, I just, that, but that's a guy who I think is there, you know, he wants the big game moments. And so we're going to see how it plays out. But having, I mean, Bam Adebayo being as good as he has been this season, which I just, I never saw coming. Um, as great as he was last year, I just never saw that he was going to be this great this year, but he gives them a real chance against Giannis where so many other teams just do not have that. And so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see how that ultimately plays out and what they are able to, uh, what they're able to do with it. But, but I just think it's, they've, but they got to figure out how to, what to do with round one to get there as well. And, mm-hmm. and if for somehow, if gosh, if Philly jumps up into that five seed, then yeah, that just, that would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That becomes a, just a real, a real big time, hardcore, old school kind of matchup and, uh, it'd be fun to watch, but. But I don't know, uh, and it goes back to me what, what I said last episode with with Philly of like Philly should be thrilled to stay in that six mm-hmm. seed and let Miami have a shot at Milwaukee first. And if you're Milwaukee, we're we're about to move on to Milwaukee. But if you're Milwaukee, are you hoping that the Sixers stay at that six seed, or do you, or would you rather them fight it out with with Miami in the first round and just, just you know and obliterate each other? I think Milwaukee is not scared of Philly at all. I don't. I don't think that 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 they give them any pause whatsoever. Sure. I I I would if I'm Milwaukee. I think I would want the exact opposite of what I'd want if I was a Philly fan. I'd be like, yeah, absolutely, get into that four or five, and you guys just beat the tar out of each other for for six hmm. or seven games, and then we're just gonna crush the Nets or whoever, and and get some rest, and we'll be ready to go. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd love to have somebody take out it, have somebody who has a better has a chance yeah. of, of taking out Miami before I we would have tend to, to agree out. with that okay speaking of Milwaukee the last team they are 53 and 12 they are the first seed they are six and a half up of the uh, two seed they are sixth in offense first in defense and first in pace so how confident are you in a finals appearance for the Milwaukee Bucks have they learned their lesson I guess is a better way to put that <sighs> 80 20 i guess mm-hmm. that they'll be in the finals um which for a team that has been this dominant as they have been maybe is is low um i don't mean it disrespectfully i just there's so much pressure there to make this happen uh, because we all know we we all know what comes 
for whatever. I mean, this off season is going to be short, so that helps. But in the off season, and then through the course of the season, we we all know what comes with that. If they don't make the finals, at least mm-hmm. is is the the questions about Giannis and where is he going to go, and and then you just have to deal with that for an entire year, and that's that can be really difficult, especially on a small market team like that. It can be very difficult to deal with, and so. I mean, that's one of the bigger questions of this whole thing is like, what what happens if if I mean, I think we're all I think the whole league is watching Milwaukee with bated breath, almost of like, okay, what you know, because we all know the cycle that comes with with them underachieving and not making the finals. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they are such a great, such a good team, and I I think it will translate to to the to the the playoffs really well. I mean, we have to remember that they very well should have won the series last last year against Toronto. They were mm-hmm. they were up two zero, weren't they? Now it seems it feels so long ago, but I think they were up two zero. Yeah, I think on, I think they were. You're right on Toronto. Um, and and all of this is different right now if if they are able to hold on to that thing. So, um, you know, in some ways they're better, and in some ways they're worse than last year. Giannis is definitely better than he was last year, which is insane because um, of how great he was, but. But they, I think they probably. I don't know that that Dante Divincenzo is making up for for Malcolm Brogdon all the way. And there's a couple other spots where maybe Brooke Lopez has been awful this year offensively, and that was a big deal last year. Um, so I don't know, man. I think I would put it at eighty twenty that they'll make the finals. But that, in some ways, that seems low because if you, I don't know, for the, the I feel one hundred percent that either the Lakers or the Clippers are making it out of 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 the the West, and so. Uh, maybe eighty twenty feels low, but I don't know. What about you? Where do you, where do you put their? What do you what do you think the, the chances or their odds are? I think if I was watching the, if I was if this would have been a normal season, I would have put them in a higher odds. But since there's been such a break and this is such a weird situation, I feel like my my brain is saying that their odds are lower. Mm. But I think eighty twenty is about where I'd put it. But like I just I guess I just for lack of a better word, have just forgotten how dominant they looked whenever mm-hmm. they were playing full time. And so it's just kind of not fresh on my mind, but you know, we'll come out in the first playoff series and, and I think, you know, they're going to just trounce whoever they play. And I, I'm really thinking that this year has been kind of their year to show that they've, they've, you know, don't get in our way, mm-hmm. you know, essentially mm-hmm. kind of like, I mean, a lot of teams that, lose big playoff rounds or lose finals appearances. They come back the next year and they just, they just steamroll their opponents in the regular season. Sure. And then in the postseason, gosh, I mean, we know this cause we lived this, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, for uh, sure. in the postseason they fall flat, but I just don't think that they're built for that. Like, I mean, I think, I think you're right. Losing Brogdon is, is pretty big and, you know, Brooke Lopez has been pretty, pretty atrocious, but it, again, just like I said with the Lakers in the last episode, like when you have Giannis, you have a fighting chance, and that's just kind of the way it is. And so, hopefully, Giannis will, you know, has has gained some, you know, crocodile skin from last year, and hopefully, Budenholzer's been learning and preparing for ways to adjust in those situations. And I just don't think that you will see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it'll be as big of a, you know, distraction this year as it was last year. For sure, for sure. I mean, they are. It will be very interesting to see how they respond to the pressure. And they've, I mean, they've, they've done a fantastic job of it all season long. So there's, if we hadn't seen Eric Bledsoe collapse so spectacularly last year, if we hadn't seen Giannis, I think for the first time in the whole season, look confused by what to do against Toronto. If we hadn't seen some of these, and let's be, let's be fair. If we hadn't seen 
for the last however many years that the Budenhoser system works better in the the regular season than it does in the mm-hmm. postseason. I mean, I don't know that we would be having these conversations, but they've handled that pressure really well. And and to this point, now it's a totally different pressure when you get into the playoffs. And it it just you're right. I mean, it's it it is one or the other. You will either respond to that, and they will be stronger for that. And I think they are. I think they are. I I think they are a very formidable um, matchup against either the Lakers or the Clippers, and might be favored in either of those matchups mm-hmm. if they get that far. But to but there will be that you you know as well as I do that first loss in in round two. Oh man, we're gonna get we're gonna have all the conversations about. Mm-hmm. Whether or not Milwaukee is is capable of, of winning in the postseason, or whether you know, are they going to choke on the big stage, and you know, does Giannis it, need to go to L.A. to be able to, you know, oh all gosh. these sorts of things are going to start, and how do you handle that pressure? It's a really difficult thing to do. Um, this this reminds me a lot, and I hate this because I don't want this to happen. This reminds me a lot of when LeBron was trying to win with Cleveland the first mm-hmm. time around. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. because there was a lot of those questions of you know if he doesn't win, like mm-hmm. we're gonna have, because because I think we all know that if if Giannis ends up winning a title in Milwaukee, like the odds of him signing an extension are pretty high. Right. And so for sure. Yeah. That's that's like you to your point. Like a lot of these questions are going to start creeping in if they if they show any signs of weakness in these first couple of series. Mm-hmm. So yep. big time, big time. All right, man, this has been good. Hopefully the listeners enjoyed this recap. Maybe we've reminded you of where some of these teams were as we head into actual, meaningful, real NBA basketball here over the next few days and weeks. Uh, You and I will be together socially distancing soon, I'm sure, just crying and watching all of the the basketball that we can get our eyeballs on. I can't wait to see. I haven't really even paid that much attention to the schedule, but I'm excited for uh, for games throughout the, the afternoon, evening and, and, uh, and night. Oh, that's the best thing in the world. I can't wait to just, I've always wanted NBA to be more like March madness for TV real, schedule. for so real. That's, um, it's, it's like a dream come true for real. Be fantastic, <laughs> man. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to get back to it. Thank you listeners. Um, seriously, thanks for being here. We joke around about there being five of you. It's, it's not quite that small, but this is a small niche little group. Um, and you have stuck with us through four months. You have stuck with a new basketball podcast for four months where there was no basketball. Um, so we thank you so much for, for being here for us and for providing that support uh, through your downloads and through your listens and, and interactions and whatnot. means the world to us. If you have enjoyed what you heard, thank you again, uh, number one. Number two, tell your basketball buddies. Bring people around to listen to this show. It makes helps us so much to carve out a little niche market in this very, very cramped podcasting space. And number three, leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review. Uh, And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. We'd like to read those out at the end of the show. We will be back next week, Tobin, to talk about, knock on wood, again, to talk about real, actual NBA basketball games. And I cannot wait, man. Cannot wait to be able to do that with you. Uh, Thanks for being here, listeners. Until next week, stay hard, Rodney Rogers. He had any... Oh, my God! Shut it down! It's a wrap, Doug. That is a wrap.